0: Yep. The pastor of Mosaic Church right here in North Charlotte. And he has another campus uh, called the Metro Campus. Naeem is a good friend. He is. He and his wife Ashley started Mosaic Church not too long after we started the church. And uh, we've been friends ever since. He's a
1: kingdom guy. Yeah. He's an outside-of-the-box creative thinker. Yeah. He is Pakistani-born, raised as a Muslim in Kuwait came to the U.S. in 92. He tells some of that story. Yeah. Uh, He tells a little bit of how he got saved, but mostly what he's doing now, what they're doing at Mosaic. And we dove into the new series that he's teaching on right now, Reimagining God, which very much fits. what we're. See, I have
0: a suspicion that he's been listening to this podcast (laughs) and he just steals stuff and then says, oh, rethinking. No, I'm going to make it better.
1: Reimagining. Right. And we can say that about him (laughs) because he's not here to defend himself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> but uh he's
0: an outstanding communicator and just does not have an
1: ounce of religion yeah, in him. Yeah.
0: And uh I think people are gonna love this Yeah, and
1: he? He, he loves well, and his passion is that people would know their love. But it's as much about becoming. He talks about that mm-hmm. in this podcast, mm-hmm. about becoming. Yeah. And in, even the
0: name of his church, Mosaic, it embodies his culture and his ethos in terms of all people from all tribes, from all nations, belong in this beautiful,
1: broken mosaic to come together yeah. and experience yeah. the love of God. Yeah. So we dove into sin consciousness, sin focus, as opposed to discovering who He is right. and our, uh, and who we are in Him. We talked about scriptures, how to approach them. It was really good. Absolutely. So this is a good one, man. Yeah. I yeah. think
0: everybody's going to enjoy it. So, hey, we want to hear from you guys. Why yeah. don't you connect with us and send us a message and let us know what you think yeah. of the podcast, of
1: our theology. Yeah, any questions, <laughs> Any anything that you think, hey, we should dive into this, or people that you would like us to connect with. Yeah, yeah.
0: We love recommendations for interviews. We've met lots of great people and had lots of great conversations that way. So uh, we want to hear from you. Yeah. Connect with us. You can do it on, through a family story. Yep. Do it through a family story.org or leave a comment
1: on the podcast, like, share, review, or you can email me at Jason at a Appreciate you guys. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, great
0: to see you, Naim. Yeah. Um, and we're uh, we're excited to have you on the podcast today. Hey, just for personal fandom here, Naeem and Ashley have been uh, fellow pastor friends for quite a while. Yeah, they're right down the street, literally right down the street from us. We love them. Yeah. They pastor Mosaic Church. So, Naeem, thank you
2: so much for for coming on today. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you. And this is really a treat for me because yeah, we go back, but both of you. Yeah, I mean. Jason, you've been like my Starbucks guy. I mean, I literally have you on my phone as Jason Clark, the Starbucks dude. (laughs) I I think it says the pastor dude that—that's always at Starbucks. Like that's how my because I have to remember. Well, that's funny. And that would have
1: been from—I mean, my gosh, probably 12 years ago when we first met.
0: Well, now I'm curious how you have me in your phone name. Is it like Derek Turner, straight white, freckled
2: guy, (laughs) sexy? I threw in sexy. (laughs) oh okay thanks i feel better (laughs) but yeah man derek you've known each other for so long i mean it's it's, it's easily been a a decade and so yeah man thanks for being one of the main first guys pastors to reach out when ash and i started mosaic you've always been like uh very supportive over the top and you and sarah have been a delight so yeah thank you really i mean i know some people some pastors are like excited about that you're, you're your planting and they say the things and, you know, I'm guilty of that too. But then it's guys like you and people like you who are like really show it and support and show up to our services and promote our stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, really, man, thank you. For
0: well, it's a pleasure because you're a kingdom guy. We're building the kingdom in the city together. And um, I love the heart of Mosaic and, and your heart as well. Uh, we were just talking about Naeem's Book ex-Muslim, yeah, and uh, yeah. which is a just a great testimony as to your own conversion. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into that today. Yeah. Maybe we'll just make people buy the book. Like, well, you got to buy the definite. book to figure it out. <laughs> make them, make them buy. Them. Make, yes. yeah. <laughs> if I could, I would. It really is a phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal testimony uh, and journey that Naeem has been on, and uh, to see him now pastoring with beautiful family and a, a beautiful church that truly is a mosaic church, uh, in, in our city. Um, it's, it's a
1: great, great story yeah, that man. you have Naeem. T- tell us, cause that's where we, we, we met, uh, and some of our deeper conversations were probably, what was it six years ago when you are writing that book? Seven years ago.
2: Yeah. Seven years ago. Yeah. So, um, so just background, I know I'm Pakistani, um, uh, uh, my parents are Pakistani. They moved to Kuwait. I was born and raised in the Middle East, in Kuwait, and as a Sunni Muslim, and then came uh, to the States after uh, the first Gulf War, which was 1990, Iraq invaded Kuwait. And I, uh, we found ourselves, uh, as a family, have two brothers, two sisters, in Kuwait, uh, going through the whole war. My brother, though, was the only one, my older brother, was the only one who was not in Kuwait when the Gulf War took place. He was actually in the States yeah. because he got accepted to a college here. So, yeah, I came here and uh, after the Gulf War, got a chance to come here on a tourist visa and I wanted to figure out how to stay in college. And I had in three weeks into me coming to the States for the very first time, this is like Charleston, South Carolina. I got, uh, I had a radical like uh, uh, experience with Christ, um, which changed everything. <laughs> he I got attacked by demons i mean it's it's a, it's a lot of sci-fi bro yeah, yeah. and then i got jesus showed up in my room and my life is not my own everything i'm thinking life as i knew it as a guy who wanted to do art for a life and and be a starving artist <laughs> um i ended up being I'm a pastor. <laughs> yeah, that
1: is a very quick breakdown of like some crazy dramatic things. To One of the
2: things he neglected <laughs> to say was that his school was bombed in right. Kuwait. Yeah. yeah, like literally bombed, yeah. right? Well, it blew up. It wasn't bombed. What See, what was happening was that the Iraqis uh, were hiding ammunition in public schools because blowing yeah. up a school is a is a what do you call it? Uh, is a, um, a war crime. Is that what they call it? Right. Yeah. Well. Well, the thing was, the Iraqis were putting munitions in uh, high schools and and uh, middle schools. And the reason is, and the military was actually staying there. Yeah. Partly because school is a perfect system. You got a lot of these classrooms, a lot of rooms where soldiers can stay, big rooms, all of that. And no one wants to blow up a high school and then the world says they blew up a high school. Yeah, right. Yeah. Bad optics. So when the Iraqis left, I don't know if you were, I mean, Uh, remember this or not but when they left they started just they got all mad and they started blowing up and destroying kuwait uh, as they left so they burned they started lighting oil fires if you guys ever remember that, i remember that yeah Yeah. millions and billions of dollars worth of oil there and the whole country turned black i mean the clouds turned black we were in that we had black rain coming down for a while Uh, and one of the things they did was they blew up all their ammunition,s which one of them was my school. Wow, wow! I know this story because I've talked to you, I've read the book, I've listened to you preach it. I've, I think,
1: when you first got here, you even had a DVD kind of sharing this story. Yeah. But uh, I know your brother had been sent over to a Methodist yeah. school that no one in your family knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, he was the the biggest influence in your life.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, he. Yeah, he was. He told me. Uh, when he he came he got here we didn't know what what Methodist meant and so right when so he comes back the next summer tells me uh tells me and my sisters that he's a Christian and man I threatened to kill him so right it was terrible but that's when I first heard about Jesus and then uh yeah but he when I came to the states finally he invited me to Christian organizations called FCA and got to meet some people there and. Anyways, man, my brother was just convinced that God would supernaturally reveal himself if I sincerely asked him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was like, you gotta be out of your mind. <laughs> man, he did exactly that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: That's awesome.
0: And then uh then he went on to be, I think, the first campus pastor at Seacoast. Yeah. With uh Greg Surratt and uh that whole crew down there. Um, but then you came to Charlotte. And you planted Mosaic Church. And that's kind of where we pick up our personal story and interaction. Uh, But even more recently, you've been doing a series called Reimagining God. And that's really what this podcast is all about. It's about rethinking God. And I kind of wanted to dive into maybe some of those key areas in your life where you used to think about God this way, but now you think about him this way. What What has been some of those dramatic
2: changes uh in in your journey of faith your journey of following jesus yeah um so i think reimagining god um is connected to this idea of people even right now using the phrase deconstruction right and uh trying to figure out their faith and so it seems like deconstruction seems to be a christian thing there are people who grew up in a particular kind of denomination or a view of god and now they not a deconstructing uh basically because of things that they've seen uh, incongruencies in uh, a message of Jesus versus the walk of Jesus and yeah. Christian leaders, ta- uh, you know, saying some things versus doing something. So I think people are doing that. I, I think my whole life has been about reimagining God because I started off as a Muslim. Right. So I've, I have no, I have no issues with reimagining, you know, I was having lunch with a, a couple that uh, was were concerned about this series they're they 're brand new to mosaic and um you know one of them said like when you say the word deconstruction or you say the word reimagine that 's fearful to me yeah i 'm scared about that like why why do we need to reimagine god he 's God and i 'm like that in lies the problem right there yeah um, yeah because I think what we 've realized what we 've seen is is that Christians love to um uh, we love to you know have certain kind of doctrines or knowledge about god and then confine that package that as the truth and then say this is it this is systematic theology right right and we've done that with everything you know we've done that and in some religions and some eastern religions are comfortable with ambiguity um but christianity doesn't seem to be one of them Uh, at least christian leaders yeah yeah at least the, the way we approach it here in the u.s right yeah, people want certainty. Right, they do. And so Reimagine God has been not something that we've started like, oh, we'll do this series. It's been part of who we are as Mosaic. I mean, even our mission is, as this church is to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. And the reason why we want to do that is because I was like, man, there's so much stuff that's been painted on uh, to to the message and what jesus really was talking about um and then the movement uh, the what church is yeah. supposed to look like and that's because of me coming into the church um you know after meeting jesus which is very different mm-hmm. right because people meet jesus in church yeah or mo- most people if they meet the church sure and then they meet jesus yeah you know they go come to yeah. church to meet jesus yeah, yeah. you know right I met Jesus outside the church. And then I met his people. Yeah, you know, and then I'm like, okay, let me get out. Let me get out. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: I've really appreciated your leadership and, and uh, your heart for the love of God and how you pastor. And I love that there's, there's room because this is something that's happening right now within the church, within faith, that there's people that are revisiting and re rethinking and reimagining actually like reimagining better, but but because of Western culture, I went with rethinking on this podcast title at the beginning because <laughs> I thought I thought we're all thinkers. We think that's where where it starts. But reimagining is I think even more true. But but what I love you just described, and I'm I'm going to quote you because you were t- told a story. I was listening to one of your messages, and you talked about running into a barista, yeah, uh, your barista, but running into her at Target, and you and you didn't recognize her because, and this is what God said. God asked you after you left. Uh, because she was out of context, and God asked you, "Do you recognize me out of context?" Mm-hmm. And and I think I, I think there's so much in that man. I would love you to break down uh, what you were going after, and and yeah, and why you why you said, "Hey, this matters. We need to do this. We need to make it safe in in the context of a Sunday morning, in the context of church family, in the context of church life." To to say, "Hey, you can rethink. You can reimagine."
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think my biggest motivation to really dig deeper into that phrase or that idea uh, was because what lies in the balance um, not being able to or not recognizing God out of context is the biggest sin of religious people right I mean that is the one thing you're going to if there's anything that could go wrong in terms of your spirituality that's going to be the biggest thing that you miss. You lose it. You miss the mark. Yeah. You could be in the middle of spiritual activity. You could literally have God walking with you and not recognize. <laughs> right. I mean, how blind do you have to get? Yeah. Even the scriptures say, you know, like, Hey, if, you know, if, if you, I can't even see, like, if your blindness is that blind, how blind are you? Like, yeah. right. Yeah. So, like the problem is, is that, uh, I think, when people try to recognize God, what they seem to think is, is that, you know, that uh, people who live in darkness um, can't recognize, can't recognize him because they live in darkness. Cause that's the religious view. Right. I think the problem though, is actually people who live in the light and walk in darkness. Mm-hmm. That's a deeper darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think for me, you know, again and again, talking about, do you recognize God out of context? Because if you don't, we're gonna miss it. Right? Like it is it is it is embedded in the Jesus story from day one. Yeah, it is the magi, the magi who come and remind a generations of people who've lost all hope, who are like, We've been oppressed by Romans. God promised us all this. Yeah. Messiah, Messiah, whatever, whatever. Sure, sure, I don't know. But if he does come, the first thing he's going to do is politically save us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? So here comes these other people, Eastern astrologers, right. people that in modern day Christianity, those people are sinners and Satan worshipers, you know? Either their signs or their are uh they're looking at stars, um zodiac symbols, all of those people. Yeah, and those are not people. God does not talk to those people. <laughs> and then God chooses those people to come and go, Hey, by the way, <laughs> yeah, this the king of kings is going to be born. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, What? So I think just the just the beauty of that reminds, oh, oh. So so God talks to people. Right. That are nice people yeah yeah quote unquote nice people yeah so i think if if a if religious highly religious people prayerful people people who are love god and love jesus and all those things i mean they find themselves clueless and on the other side looking in going how did we miss it yeah yeah that's what fuels me to go do you recognize God out of context? Because if you don't learn to do that, it's not gonna be good for us. Yeah. I think I think that's actually something that Jesus dealt with when he
0: talked about, you know, hey, people ask, when were you in prison and we visited you? When were you hungry and we fed you? And he said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. It's basically seeing that intrinsic value of the image of God in every single person. Jesus says, Yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's me that yeah. you're you're seeing. And I feel like that's part of this whole deconstruction uh, movement, per se, that's happening right now is that people are coming, hopefully coming back to this foundation of like Jesus, the embedded qualities and natures of Jesus himself, or, or let's put it this way of God in the flesh, God becoming one of us to rescue all of us. The way that it's translated for me, like, it has changed my view. Now, it hasn't only transformed me, I love what Rick Warren says, you know, people talk about, like, which translation is the best translation of the Bible, and he's like, the one that transforms you, like, pick them all, every mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. What? So that's the question I think we need to ask is what transforms us? And then what is transformative in our winsomeness and in our message and in our lifestyle and our, you know, in this thing that we call Christianity? Uh, I I actually just like to say follower of Jesus yeah. now. I think I think the word Christian itself is heading the same direction as fundamentalist and evangelical, but that's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that it's done for me. I walk into a room and I hear, in my heart, I hear, these are all people for whom I died. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything. It's There's no more insider outsider. There's no more separation. It's like in our humanity we have this common need i've been awakened in my trust in what god has done and now my goal is to help awaken you to a reality that you already have and already possess so it really really changes the way that you uh when you see people you don't see them out of the context of god you see them within the context of god Mm -hmm. for me that's really really given me new language to to help people yeah. navigate this time right now and and as a pastor and I think you probably are fully aware of this if you have people sitting down asking you about this reimagining God and where are you going with this series I get the same questions and really where we're going is we don't want you to come here and experience God we want you to go out the other 6 days of the week and help people experience God cuz you're taking yeah. him everywhere you go and so uh, it becomes way more missional. Yeah. It becomes way more, um, you know, Jesus oriented. And that really is uh, what we've endeavored to do yeah. with this podcast is bring people back to that foundation of Jesus is, Jesus is perfect theology. If you've seen yeah. him, you've seen the father. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I love where you're going. I'm going to quote you here. This is from your week one, Jesus. And I don't know what the title is, but I wrote down Jesus as our savior. And I think it ties into what we were just talking about because it's you go after the dualistic good and evil, winners and losers, saints and sinners. But there's a quote I quoted, I thought, man, this is good. You said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing because I wrote it down quick and I didn't go back and get it exact, but this is this is Naeem <laughs> Fazal, the spirit of Naeem Fazal coming.
2: Nothing exact about me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you said, uh, we have sinner and saint, but God sees oppressed and free. Yeah. And the, and it's it's a different thing that he's doing. He's not doing dualistic things. He's he sees all of us in Christ. It was a finished work at the cross, and he's after our freedom.
2: You want to dive into that, man? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the reimagining God series has been really profound for a lot of our people, especially the next generation. It's like when my son and daughter every week go, "I'm loving this." Mm-hmm. Uh, college students, when you know yeah. people next the future leaders are going thank you for this and i'm like okay okay um so so that's been really great um to to what the quote what i was trying to get at was i think what happens is is that sometimes we don't understand that when we preach the gospel uh uh we do it in such a narrow way what i mean by that is is that we we sometimes preach jesus and preach the gospel to solve a particular kind of sin mm-hmm. and a particular kind of problem yeah. and so we just go after it so so what happens is is and week two i talked about the whole product and person thing but the gospel is like this is what you need to fix the the crap in your life and to make you stop sinning right so even a relationship when you suppose jesus is a relationship not a religion but you still need to apply him three times a day and you will fix this problem sure (laughs) right (laughs) and so what happens is what we say is here here's the issue and uh, the issue is you have a sin problem we need to fix it so god's motivation is sin right so because you have a sin problem god's motivated so what he needs to do is he needs to save you from your sin because you are out of control you were born into sin you keep on sinning you all that and so he's going to give you the solution, the solution is come to him, pray, and he will save you and he'll just continue to save us. And so in that, number one, we just think sin is, it's, it's sin. We, we preach sometimes that that sin is something who I am and I take sin everywhere I go right. versus I am being forced to live in a room called sin. Mm-hmm. It's not me. I can walk out of that room, right. but I, yeah. I it's not me. So yeah. the gospel sometimes is preached. No, 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 you take sin everywhere, more than the of God. You take sin everywhere. Yeah. Right. You ruin everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So then, obviously, the gospel is about saving me, right? Because I can't help being horrible, right? And I think when you take that, it just turns dark and bad, and you wonder why it becomes transactional, right? right? I mean, that it becomes a transactional gospel, sure, where and. It doesn't work because because we know that we have majority of people in counseling and on meds are Christians. So, come on, like I mean, there's, I mean, not not the majority of the world population, but even just Christians who are. So what happened? You got Jesus. Did he not fix it? Right. So then people are like, well, I guess he didn't fix it, or I didn't apply him right, or whatever. So when I think of free and oppressed, I think that is what God's intention is. Mm -hmm. Like he has, he created us in freedom. He created us in um, living a full and reproductive and creative life. I mean, you know, I just talked about this the other day, and I got a lot of information from Bema um, Discipleship, a group. But man, you just realize that in Genesis, God is... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and the Spirit of God hovered, and then God said, let there be light. And so you hear, God's a creator, God's Spirit, and then God is Word. And that whole essence, you go, okay, so what is happening? So what was the Word? Well, the Word was Jesus. So, oh, yeah, so that's why God always said things, and they were created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Jesus is not just the the son of God. No, he's the first He's the first born son of all creation. Right. That, okay. So father is not just father, dad, guy upstairs. No, the father of all creation. Oh, yeah. okay. I got it. Yeah. So Ruach, uh, Holy Spirit is the mother of all nature. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Now we're getting this, you know? So I think when you realize that you go, Oh, so it's got to be more than just solving a sin problem. Mm -hmm. so what it's it's letting you live into the fullness of who you are so then it is oppressed and free and so what i think what jesus was doing on the cross was not just saving us so we wouldn't get go to hell right it's bigger than that
1: yeah
2: it's so much bigger than that it's it's liberating us to live in this eternal kingdom that is that it can be accessed here and on the other side of this he was restoring all of not just humanity for the love all of creation yeah the cosmos all keeps on talking about he did something that we can't even understand yeah that's why it is a mystery that's why god is a mystery yeah anyways i can keep on keep on going that's good (laughs) i love i love love your room
0: (laughs) example though that it's not you're a sinner taking sin everywhere you go but you're in this room called sin and salvation really becomes the opening of the door to leave the room and come into your true self your true identity and um escape the blindness and come into the light i mean uh when you see it that way then there are no insiders, outsiders. It's not like, well, we're in, we're family. Mm-hmm. It, it brings everybody yeah. in, yeah. everybody's in. And then you simply have like, you know, awakened or blind. And, and that makes it so much more yeah. inclusive mm-hmm. uh, as to what the problem is. I mean, I know people are going to argue with you and me left and right that, no, no, I'm, I'm an old sinner. I'm just an old sure. piece of crap that, you know, I'm snow covered by the grace of God and, I have, you know, I talk to my neighbors about this, and my neighbors are like, "What do I need to be saved from? Like, why do I need to be saved? You know, what are you talking about?" And that just does not get any traction with people. Here's why: it's not good news. (laughs) And this, I really is to me, what's happening is this like reconstruction of what the
2: good news really is, and it's better than anybody thought, right? And you know, I don't, I and I don't think people should be afraid of it. If they're afraid of it. It speaks to fear, It speaks to what has grabbed their hearts, you know, yep. the, unfortunately, you know, we've preached, uh, we've preached the gospel of love in fear. Yeah. Even I think the first week of uh, Reimagine or second week, I'm not sure. I was like, I, I'm committed to do this. I'm committed to figure out for the rest of my life, how I can introduce people to Jesus without the punishment of hell or the promise of heaven. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good, bro. I said, if I can get you into a relation like that, that'll change your name. I love that. That's great. I said, but here's the problem. Uh, when we you present the gospel of Jesus and you say, it's a relationship, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Who in the world starts a relationship with, so um, if you don't believe me, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like who starts a relationship with benefits and loss? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who starts that? That's yeah. a transaction. That's transactional. That is not a relationship. And by the way, who also? I mean, I did this last week. Who starts a relationship like this? Um, so I know you're terrible, and you're just you're just you are so flawed, and you're. I, I get it. I get it. You know, you're a born sinner, and you. I mean, not, <laughs> if I just turn around, you're you're into something. You're probably getting drunk and naked. I mean, I know you are just. All kinds of nasty, but, but I'm going to choose to forgive you and I'm going to choose to love you. Right. So let's do this. (laughs) Welcome to the good news. Yeah. Welcome to the good news. (laughs) You know why I think
0: that happens, Naeem? I think because even Christians have had such a mistaken view of Holy Spirit. And they think the Holy Spirit is inside them to point out every flaw and to... You know let them know of every mistake they make and because of that they interpret that as well okay that voice of shame is the way that i'm motivated so i'm gonna have to motivate other people with that voice of shame little do they know number one that's probably the accuser of the brethren or he's left the building a long time ago and it's their own conscience that's berating them but the holy spirit is that voice inside saying here's who you really are you're a son and a daughter of the Most High. You're yep. created in His image, you're yep. loved, you're you're blameless in His sight, you've been called a masterpiece. These are the words that bring you up into your so- sonship and daughtership in the kingdom. And these are the words that I think we need to bring to other people. But you cannot give those words if you're not experiencing them yourself. Honestly, if I had a friend, if, you, if me and Naeem, we are friends, but if we were together 24-7, And Naeem could read my thoughts and be with me all the time and told me everything I did wrong. And all he did was say, "Ah, ah, ah, I know what you're thinking. Ah, Derek, (laughs) don't think that. And if he was like, Derek, I I know what you're getting ready to do. Don't do that. We would not be friends anymore. I
2: would leave you in a heartbeat. But people think that's the Holy Spirit. They think that's the Spirit of God. And I think the beauty is not, and I know we're all saying this, it's not that we're not flawed. Right. I mean, for the love. We're flawed. We get that we get that uh but i think you don't experience god like i forget who said it but it's like the the way you experience god is in that moment where you in the same moment where you feel deeply flawed unconditionally loved Mm -hmm. that opens you up not either or wow you know like and i think or is like the problem. It's always in the middle of that. Like, that's why mm-hmm. like Jesus is always in the freaking middle of everything. Like, he's in the yeah. literally middle. <laughs> you know, like, he's not on one side. He's not on this side or that side. He's always in the middle. He's always in the yeah. middle. You know what's the beautiful thing about the middle? Is that the possibility of either ends is always just a possibility, not the actual end. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, he loves being in that space of like, there's no borders and there's no edges. Because so, either way, that's the edge, right? You're on the on one side or the other side, the end of that side. But he's always in the middle. He's always in the middle, like refusing to go either directions, more going in circles.
0: <laughs>
2: Which perfectly describes the, the Trinity right there. You just summed it up for us. <laughs> right. I think so. so yeah. and your love is revival.
1: The hey, guys. I'm interrupting this podcast for just a minute so I can invite you to partner with us by giving to A Family Story. A Family Story is a 501, a nonprofit, and it's our ministry. And it's what allows for me to produce this podcast and other regular content. We've been living this faith journey for a long time, but 2014 was when we officially stepped away from the traditional pastoring approach to full-time ministry. It's been fun, this journey's been wild. And this last year was no less faith-inducing with COVID affecting travel and speaking. And it's been good, because hey, we started a podcast. Our passion is to create content catalytic for an encounter with the always good, transforming, reconciling love of our Heavenly Father. And so our heart through this ministry has always been that through speaking, writing, film, and music, we're relentlessly sharing the goodness of our Father, the good news. Your giving goes directly to support this podcast, as well as written content, discipleship content, teaching small group messages, articles that we release weekly, and also the book I'm writing. I'm excited about what I'm chasing down right now. We appreciate all the support, whether it's sharing, writing a review, following us, signing up for our email list, or financially. We just love being on the journey with you. If you want to give to a family story, you can go to a familystory.org a family and click on the give button. All right. Thanks guys. Let's get back to the podcast. When this conversation begins to become relational and you begin to understand that Jesus came to show us a father mm-hmm. and that he showed us the context of, of this whole thing is, is family it's relationship, it's friendship. Then all of a sudden this makes sense, you know, sin consciousness, sin focus, because you said it's a real thing, it's a problem. I mean, you know, I have a front row seat to Jason. I've had a front row seat <laughs> my whole life. I know what I'm capable of. And I know I know the thoughts that can come. I know, uh, I understand the fall, but what's profound is what you said, is this, this grace that becomes evident in me and this revelation uh, of the love of God revealed through Christ on a cross, reconciling, not counting our sins against us, and and it's the most easy to see in the context of a relationship, like with a friend or with your wife or with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when when you become a parent uh, and you have a, have kids, you understand their capacity to get it wrong, but it doesn't affect any of, of your thoughts or heart toward them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I find this this language really translates when you're talking about about sin and you're talking about sin conscious. You know, here's the problem. I was taught from pulpits that I was sin. I was a sinner. That that was my DNA. That's my original brand. That there's. I wake up in the morning and, like you said, if you turn your back, that's the thing that I'm going to do. Yeah. And and it's it's a it's a focus that takes you on a mm-hmm. downward spiral where it's the only thing. You become so sin conscious. There's you're no earthly good to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're just you're trying to survive essentially throughout the day, but when you have kids and you realize, man, mm-hmm. they can't do anything to yep. affect my love for them. Yeah, right. And and you, you see uh, who they truly are, and then you speak to that identity and you watch them step into it over and over again. But I think family, I think that is the context where people are able to go, oh yeah, right. This isn't transaction.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. First of all, Jason, um, so you believe everything that comes from a pulpit, <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? Right. <laughs> um, no, but no, just, just or, seriously, or a lectern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, what you're hitting on though, is really, uh, a being a child of God and, and calling people into their identity as the children of God created in his image. Um, nothing will ever stop my daughter from being my daughter it's impossible for her to not be my daughter that's just impossible and so this is this is the beauty i think of the the message of what we're talking about which is i think people are starting to dial into uh, a better a better gospel a a more christ-like gospel as brad jerzak would would say we have to have a more christ-like gospel for me it's exciting Because I like I like the mystery. I like the both and thinking. Um, I like to dive into doubt. I like to explore, and um, and that to me, if you're afraid of that, then there's something in in certainty. There's something you need that is preventing the peace that passes all understanding from operating in your life. You you need certainty more than you need peace. Because how do you have peace that passes understanding when you have to understand everything before you yeah. give yourself towards it. Yeah. And that's why love is so powerful and, and God doesn't have love. He is love. Yeah. And yeah. that's why love becomes for me, the ultimate message. Yeah. Um, because, you know, what are you going to do to fix someone with fear? I mean, if you're just going to say, uh, God has not given you a spirit of right. fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Just rattle off a, a scripture to them and oh, okay, I'm fixed. No, they need the love of God to melt that fear out of their heart.
1: Yeah. What did you share? What did you share with a couple that was wrestling
2: through this series? Uh, what do you share with folks that are maybe wrestling? Yes, yes. I mean, so mm, I don't know if I had a good answer for them. I mean, it's one of, it was one of those lunches that we kind of, not that we chose to disagree, but they're like tracking with the series. And uh, one of them said, you know, I want to know where this goes. Are you going to bring it all together? Like, are you going to tell us What exactly, like, you know, you believe in your systematic, you know, like your doctrine. Right. I said, uh, I don't think I'm ever going to bring it together. Like, I barely (laughs) have it together. (laughs) Yeah. And I am one of those guys that starts the journey and figures out where we're going to go. And I don't know where we're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to leave you with more questions than answers. Yeah. But you are of a generation that wants answers. And I don't have those for you. <laughs> I will tell you that the answers you have gotten for generations do not last. Yeah, and most people just pretend to be satisfied with those answers. They just go about their business. Yeah, just pretending um, that Jesus is working for them when all all he's not. They don't have a relationship with him. So um, I said, you know, maybe your generation's okay with it, but my kids are not okay with this bs these these answers that are not deep enough to- yeah yeah they don't
1: satisfy i i i understand the fear of when you lose a certainty when you lose a sense of like uh, we talked about when when the gospel is about salvation from sin then the gospel is a dualistic behavior uh, based transactional thing then part of your certainty is is and part of your identity is determining what you're against, mm-hmm. what we're for and what we're against and in and out all of that. And, and we don't realize how nuanced and how baked it is into everything, into our political views and into our economic views and into our understanding of um, equality, our understanding of America's place in the world, uh, nationalism, all of these things, uh, I think the church is wrestling through Um, this gospel of salvation that looked like good and evil. And because it's good and evil, when you start saying, Hey, um, he's good. He's for us. His love is all inclusive. Uh, It's okay to live in the mystery. We don't actually have all the answers. I can understand. I I do generational, whatever you want to say it. I understand. I think generational, the real thing for me is I run up against people who've, got 40 years built on that foundation. And the more you build on that foundation, the higher up you are and the the less willing you are to go tear that thing down. Yeah, Does that make sense? I I, don't know. I think the more you have to lose. And And uh, the scarier it is. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. So I understand that, but I love that you're pressing in. One of the things that we're doing on this podcast is we're saying, Hey, let's talk about this. But let's talk about it from a place of restoration, a place of reconciliation. Let's reset the lens yeah. as though God is reconciling all things, as though the cross was a finished work, as though we are in Christ, yeah. as though all of us are brothers and sisters. And then yeah. let's let's go ahead and talk about uh, whether it's church or whether it's yeah. nationalism or whatever it is, that, how to approach scripture. And I yeah. appreciate that you're yeah. chasing this down, man.
0: Yeah, definitely. One one thing Naeem, I wanted to ask you, because it's something I've been really dealing with as well. And that is, and I think it's indicative of this generation you're talking about, your kids, my kids, they really don't necessarily take the Bible as the absolute authority. And so you're really not doing any good by saying, well, you know, the the Bible says, says." yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. And, And most people I know outside of the church or haven't been involved in the church, they really don't care what the Bible says. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've been seeing and getting a little more traction with these days is to tell people, oh man, I love the word of God and I like my Bible too. (laughs) And so, because then it brings it back to that, oh wait, yeah, the word of God is this person named Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now here's how we learn about him and here's how we find out about him. But there is something that, I don't know, there's something, I think there's something in the foundation that people have built that you're talking about in that. That taller tower of the foundation right. is that if you touch my Bible and right. any aspect of it being both inerrant and infallible, mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. I, literal, then I everything thing. falls yeah. for me. Yeah, and I I was actually there. I was in that I was in that camp 100% sure, until sure. about seven years ago.
1: Sure, yeah, and
0: too. it was just like, wait a second, let's find out why Jesus made statements like you have heard it say said but i say it seems like he's contradicting when in actuality he's revealing yeah and so um where have you come and landed on that dealing with the bible scriptures um as the ultimate authority or foundation uh what where where do how do you handle that kind of question
2: yeah yeah i i had to explain not not a whole lot but um I had to really break down during this series the the idea of you know the the bible uh the collection of books not being the word of god i mean it's enduring to say that but it's not really true um, the word of god is obviously like you said jesus we find that clearly in genesis then then john mimics that in the beginning was the word says it again yeah uh, revelations closes it up with and his title was the word of god Jesus. I mean, it's all wrapped up in that. So I think for me, uh, I think people have a hard time understanding that the message of Jesus and what God has done um, has to transcend not just generations, but also environments and also people's uh, situations. And so saying like, knowing, reading your Bible, like People have said, you know, good people have said, hey, if you want to know God more, read God's word more. Um, That statement, okay, let's take that one. That's one statement. Another statement is, is like, my faith, you know, if the Bible says it, I believe it, you know, uh, it builds up my faith. Uh, It's the anchor for me. Your word is a lamp into my feet. You know, the whole thing. Just want to take all those three statements and say, having access to a Bible is a place of privilege, number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah people don't understand that Mm -hmm. they go what are you talking about i'm talking about the fact that people don't have access to the kind of bible that you're talking about right right? they don't so yeah number one god would never take a tool right and now call it essential yeah a relationship with him I don't think people understand it, even the, especially the Western world, nor do they just stop and go, oh, oh, hold up. So how did the movement of Jesus start? How many years did they didn't have these collection of books? Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the animosity between the people who were Jewish people moving in the direction of Jesus and literally discrediting, in a sense, or not doing what the Torah told them to do? Mm-hmm, I mean, right. Sabbath being one of them. Jesus broke yeah literally technically broke it mm-hmm. but he was fulfilling it because he was making it about people yeah. and not the practice and all that so if christians don't have a deeper understanding of that and a freedom to go oh, oh, oh this is a inspired tool that mm-hmm. god has used mm-hmm. to encourage my faith it is not what I anchor my soul on yeah oh that's good okay problem is we have anchored our soul and here's what happens when you anchor your soul on a text the text becomes a sorcery right you say it a certain way to get what you want yeah so these stories and these conversations become like incantations yeah that you call in the spirit in jesus name people don't get that but that's harry potter like 101 <laughs> <laughs> like you have to say this scripture like this way right. to do that. So I think if people understand, okay, hold on, this is not just western. We, this is a global. What what are we really saying here? I think it's all again de- having deeper thoughts. And then I mean if you go back to our to our history, I mean you've got orthodox, catholic and protestant and we are like a little branch off of that. Right. So we're talking centuries and centuries history that we are discrediting yeah right yeah you know as we say my bible tells me what do you even know where how we got that bro right yeah it doesn't take away from the scriptures i think it adds to the responsibility of understanding what they mean yeah seeing the character the true character of jesus and then actually flipping living it out yeah 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 like i saw this one uh, person i said Christians love to hold other Christians accountable to their theology. How about we hold each other accountable to our character and the fruits of the spirit? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do that because that's good, bro. Um, I, I'm all about the Bible, of course it I am, but like, yeah, me too. Remember, like, the movement of Jesus and the message of Jesus is not about believing. Right. It's more. It's about becoming a certain kind of person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about transformation. Yeah. It's not yeah. about um communication yeah. or education. No. So yeah. I don't even. I mean, shoot, the demons believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What good is <laughs> yeah. it doing them?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're right, because believing you can believe the wrong thing and it'll kill you. I mean, that's that's the whole point. It's it. Right. It's not about my faith. It's about his. He already did it too. So. That's a great answer on the scriptures,
0: though. I like the terminology and the language of inspired and maybe authoritative as opposed to inerrant and infallible, which was actually coined in like 1978 at some kind of evangelical conference. Um, And yet it's become the buzzwords for the literal interpretation of every nuanced story and book in the Bible. And, you know, that's a big change that I'm helping people navigate is yeah. to say what you're holding is a library in your lap. This is not a book. It's 66 different uh, stories, texts, myth, psalms, poetry, newspapers. Um, there is hist- historicity in it. Um, and yet who in our who in their right mind would go into a library, check out Steinbeck's East of Eden, read it. And go back in and tell the librarian man this book was great i love it and the librarian says well you know that's fiction right right and then they throw it down on the floor and they say i'm not believing anything in this right, library right. so that that's the other ditch that that people get into so uh, that's where i love the both and kind of thinking it, it invites mystery and it invites question because here's the thing i've found jesus can stand up to any question because
2: he is the truth yeah
0: and so really that's that's where my foundation lies yeah
2: so true i mean here's one last thing i say about the the scriptures and the bible and and uh you know you don't want to take away from what that has allowed people to uh the bible is like you said it's a la- it's a library in your lap and so it does consist for sure about direct quotes of people what they heard god yeah. say to them or to a group of people so it's there's power there is that word in there. So it's, you see Christ in there. So the, so Christ, the word of God is in the Bible. <laughs> Correct. I think what people need to understand, I, I think, is is that the 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 Bible together even uh, tells a story. The Torah tells a story and it's telling stories and there's a big story and it tells a story. And because stories don't have to be true to uh, communicate truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why Jesus always told stories. Yeah. Yeah. He made up stories yeah. to yep. tell truth. Yeah. Like to point out truth. Yeah. It's not that the stories were true. No, the stories weren't true. Yeah. No, the point was true. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, What happens is where we go is we read scripture and we argue about the truth of the story versus what is the true meaning of this? yeah. yeah. Like, what is he actually point yeah. to? No, yeah. Yeah. so... The whole letter of the law versus the, you know, spirit, yep. spirit of it. So yeah. you, if you want to take the Bible seriously, then you, we have to take, who are we becoming seriously?
1: Yeah, I agree. The, uh, we're back full circle, maybe at the beginning talking about the context, uh, seeing him outside of yeah. out of, context, God, out of context. God out of context. I think, yeah. I think God really likes to speak to us through our hearts. He, you know, he, he hides <laughs> on the, on the Emmaus road, uh, with friends, you know, so that their hearts can get the burning. Mm -hmm. Um, It's my interactions Mm -hmm. with him. It's how I approach scripture. It's he's there, he's hidden in there. It's what Jesus said to uh, the Pharisees, when he said, you search the scriptures, you think that they hold life, but I'm standing right here. It's, it's a flesh and blood. It's a it's a relational dynamic. And uh, uh, so yeah, man, scripture. uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like God is really good at working everything toward good. Right. So, so I, I think, I think he's in the business and I think it's part of his nature. So I'm like all the scripture that I read, uh, my whole life has paid huge dividends today in my life. I can, but, but it's the lens, the Jesus lens that, uh, that brings life. It's the, it's the, the, what took place at the cross that, that has made the scriptures come alive. I mean, I yeah. had, a, I had a short season, two years where I couldn't read the scriptures because all I got was condemnation and fear. But it was my God lens that was doing it, yeah. And so I stepped away from, like you said, not everybody has the book. I actually stepped away from the book in a in a Western world where, I, if I told people, they would have condemned me for it, mm. uh, just so that I could rediscover. You had the Christ you had the, in me,
0: yeah. You had the wrong rabbi, yeah, uh, leading you through the scriptures. You had yeah. the rabbi of shame and guilt and fear, and as opposed to yeah, the the Jesus, yeah. The Rabbi Jesus leading you through the scriptures. I hey, I, I can honestly say maybe people will never come to River Church after this when they hear this. But uh, my call to move to Charlotte and plant a church came crystal clear through the U2 song "Walk On," and I, I we were debating about it and whether or not we should do this or not. We weren't sure and all kinds of fear and doubt. And I was listening to U2 "Walk yeah. On" came on the radio or something. And there's a line in there where he says, we're packing a suitcase for a place none of us has been. Right. A place that has to be believed to be seen. And that was my call to move to Charlotte. I'm like, that's it. God used Bono to absolutely (laughs) call
2: me into ministry. God has been using Bono for a long (laughs) time. This is true. He has been, honestly. This is true. (laughs) You know that Bono uh, and uh, Rick Warren, that you mentioned him, are good friends? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Also, like I was on their campus because uh, I was, I suppose I, I spoke uh, uh, at while back and he bought Rick for his 50th birthday. Uh, he had a olive tree from Jerusalem right. shipped and gifted it to the church or it to give. And wow. so it's like, it's a Jerus like it's the, it's a tree yeah it's planted in there on the campus it's from wow yeah i would
0: have i would have thought i would have thought he would have sent a joshua tree but uh that's a- <laughs> <I> know, right? <laughs> hey but uh, no, that's a good question have you ever been to rick's secret
2: library i've been to his office uh yeah and there's a hidden door there's there. a hidden door in the office that leads to the secret library i don't remember i think so
0: you would you would definitely know if you had i mean there was a. Bed in the uh... bed in
1: there. I think there is a bed in there.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it, well, it's a secret door that goes yeah. from the. Well, it's not a secret if it's open when you walk in. <laughs> yeah, you open up. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, man, Naim, Naim, yeah. thanks, bro, for for being with us yeah. today. Yeah. We definitely have a few more questions though. <laughs> really?
1: What's the what's what is a
2: Pakistan taco? Is there is there a version of tacos? Uh, first of all, I love tacos. I mean, tacos are my are my jam. Um, so velvet tacos in Optimus hall, yeah, they're good are one of my favorite ones. Oh my gosh, they're amazing um uh duck tacos, I believe are legit too they're inexpensive, but they're good uh some of them are really, really good. I love an experiment with a good taco man. I'm a taco guy. We had tacos yesterday. I would have tacos all day long. Pakistanis though is interesting though, so yeah. I don't know if you've noticed it though, but when it comes to the um uh, Latin food and even uh, uh, some Indian food, too. There's always a bread. There's always rice. There's always some kind of bean. Right. You know? So in Pakistani food, the the taco just seems to be a, a roti. So I'm used to that. But uh, actually, you know what you guys should go to? You guys should go to Wala. Nice. Wala is the Indian place in Optimus Hall. It's not tacos, but it's the same concept. Bread, meat in it. It's just bigger. But yeah man love love tacos I think I think every culture has a taco it just called something different that's
0: true But
1: I think you're right yeah for sure uh what was I gonna ask you oh uh what are you watching you watching anything tv
2: movies yeah you know covid you've watched everything right here and there I mean there was a time and then it stopped and then I started watching seasons of stuff and then I go no I'm not because then the season stops and then you gotta wait a year to get catch up and I'm like Oh, you yeah. left me hanging. <laughs> I don't want to get into a relationship. and I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> you know? So, but Naeem just broke up with a series. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. But Lupin is, uh, second season of Lupin is out. I don't know if you guys heard of Lupin. I started it last night. Oh, the first season? First season. Oh, man. You're, see, it's great because now second season came out. So you're going to be able to go right through it. And it's fascinating. It's oh, It's fully, it's in French, the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. um and with subtitles and loving it loving it and then the other one which is fascinating too is uh sweet tooth okay
1: i not haven't familiar. watched it it's a movie
2: on netflix right no it's seasons okay a sweet tooth is it's so fascinating basically pandemic uh some kind of virus hits half of the population dies the some population is surviving they're uh they're not affected by it but the rest of the population from that point on the babies are half human and half animals and it is fascinating is it it is fascinating because there's so much again like who are we becoming as a people so it's, it's fascinating i like it i'm gonna have to check out sweet tooth influences
1: man what are you reading uh for fun or things that you, just people that are influencing you
2: yeah, I mean, right now I'm going through a podcast. This It's it's called Bema. I mentioned it earlier, uh, Bema Discipleship. Have you heard of it at all? Mm-mm. It's by Marty Solomon. He is a Jewish uh, follower of Jesus with another guy. Um, but it's seminar, seminary courses, basically. Wow. But it's, he's going through Genesis in the original Hebrew. And so some of the things that you guys are talking about blow your mind. Some of the things I've mentioned i got from him that's awesome yeah right now that's what i'm going on i do audible books a lot the last one that i finished was actually beth moore's chasing vines Hmm. i think i've done most of if not all of richard Rohr's books yeah Mm. awesome but uh yeah man um you got a podcast too right yes yes um so naeem fazl podcast yeah not not a cool title like you guys um and it's fun it's been, it's been good i uh, just wrapped up a, a season of dark room sessions talking to some pastors about just dark times uh in their life but not dark times but like just talking about the whole green room versus the dark room mm-hmm. the green room is where people want to get to and people act a certain way and i was like oh people would love to be in a conversation in the green room with leaders but i was like actually that's not true because they're all front including me. Right. Like they're all like just pretending to be bigger than they are in the green room. That's what people do. But the dark room is more like, Oh, this was a dark time and God used it. That's where the whole dark room, negative yeah. negatives are developed there. Photography, all that. Yeah. Yeah. So developing God, your, your character, where's what's the dark room. So finish that. And then uh, right now the Kristen, who's one of our pastors, she took over my podcast and she is interviewing like her uh friends and women in leadership and life and good all that so it's pretty fast she's a campus pastor right uh yeah she is and now she's a teaching pastor too so yeah i i had just been introduced to her yeah she's great yeah she'd be great on this podcast by the way
1: too yeah she would have mentioned it so i thought we're always looking for recommendations yeah I was yeah where do we find you bro
2: yeah. So uh, you can Google me, you'll find all kinds of videos. <laughs> but usually it's just na- it's Naeem Fossil, uh on Instagram, on Facebook and online. Uh, but org. but yeah. usually on Instagram and Facebook. Is probably yeah, same. man. Buddy, thank you so much for yeah. taking the time. And uh, yeah,
0: we love talking like this. This has been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Catching up with you, bro. Yeah, so good. Really. Hey, guys, we're so glad that you are joining us for season two of Rethinking God with Tacos. Uh, You can find me, Derek Turner, at rivercharlotte.com. That's my church. And I'm on all the social medias as Pastor Derek T. D E R E
1: K, Pastor Derek T. Yeah, and uh, he's a Twitter savant. You got to follow him on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Jason Clark is uh, and you can find all of these podcasts including season one on all of the platforms you can also go to afamilystory.org and everything's there if you sign up for our mailing list we send out a weekly email that has uh, articles podcast information and uh, we also let you know about new books coming out or events that we're connected to so yeah uh, like share retweet and uh and man if you could write a review it, it actually does something for the rankings it, it, makes it does it more available, yeah so. but a five-star review of course <laughs> yes you know if you can't write a five-star review or something <laughs> like just don't even write. Don't, a review. don't worry don't worry about it yeah yeah it's
0: kind of like if you can't say something nice don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all
1: I, I like that and then apply that to this <laughs> podcast definitely that's my motto that's i like what it. i do i love it so love you guys appreciate you coming on the ride with us god bless